trying to think about what is something fresh. I always struggle at council meeting and communion of something fresh to bring with doing this, having, we have this service twice a year. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. What I want to talk about this morning is crush for us. I'm going to pass these two bags back through. The uh, first one, the darker grain, is wheat in the whole kernel. And then is the bag of crushed wheat kernel or flour, we often call it. And you can just pass that back through. Was Christ crushed for us? And I think the answer obviously is yes. Maybe you didn't think about it in that way. Well, let's read here Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid it as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, and when thou shalt make his soul offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And he shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Some questions I want to start out by asking this morning. We think about Christ being crushed. It wasn't in the sense of, you think of a large stone coming down and smashing something, crushing it. The Bible is quite clear, and that's what's fascinating. When you look at the death of Christ, the Bible prophesied that not a bone would be broken, and yet his death was one of the most cruel ways for anybody to be put to death. 
And yet God was able, in his all-knowing, knew that Christ would suffer terribly, and yet not a bone would be broken. And yet if you would have looked at five years, or ten years, fifty years before, looked at the process of um, crucifixion, they often did break their bones to try to make them die quickly, and yet Christ did not suffer that. But who caused Christ to be crushed or to be killed, to suffer? First of all, you might say it was the Romans. Or you might say, well, yeah, the Romans did it, but they only did it because the Jews pushed them to do it. Or was it God that caused Christ to be crucified? And I guess I often thought myself that I always typically point the the blame for the crucifixion on Pilate, Herod, and the Romans. And if it wasn't them, well then the blame probably goes to the Jews because they picked Barabbas to be pardoned instead of Jesus and when Pilate gave him that option. But as I was studying for this message this week, I came across a short clip by Paul Washer. And he gave a thought in a, in, a, in a stronger way than I'd ever thought about it before, but the idea that God was the one that caused Jesus to be crucified. And the more I think about it, the more I believe this is true. Maybe that's hard for you to, <clears throat> to think about in that way. But think about it. If God had not set that plan up, Jesus could not have been born to a virgin. It only happened because God allowed it. Each step of the process that led from Jesus' birth or his conception, his birth, his ministry, all the way to the cross, none of that would have happened unless God allowed it. And so God set up the plan of salvation and so in a sense, God was the one who crushed who caused Jesus to die in that way. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, and beginning at verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with them Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face, praying, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And when he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter 
not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And so we see here that as difficult as it may be to wrap our minds around it sometimes, it was God's will for Jesus to die on the cross, to suffer horrible, a horrible um, torment before the death and to die one of the most cruel ways. But we see here clearly Jesus, in Jesus' own words that it was the Father's will that this happened. At the same time, you know, when we think about, well, is it God's fault that Jesus needed to be crushed? I had to think of the example of one of your siblings broke the rules and you blaming your parents for your sibling getting spanked or punished in some way. Was it the parents' fault? In a sense, they carried it out, but it was the, your sibling's fault for breaking the rules. Or maybe you were punished by your parents. And so ultimately, the same way, Adam and Eve sinned against God. Every human being that has ever lived at some point has sinned against God. And so God didn't crush Jesus just because he wanted to. He didn't do it because he was cruel. But it was because of each one of us, our sin, that God crushed Jesus. Why wouldn't it have been possible for it to be just a nice, easy death? Couldn't there have been an easier way of crucifixion? There are many, many ways that nations carry out corporal punishment and, or uh, punishment, you know, through you name it, a firing squad, beheadings, whatever it is, there were much quicker ways and easier ways to die, and yet God chose the most difficult and cruel. Why did he do that? And I think is the reason is to understand why God had Jesus die on the cross in the first place. It's to recognize how much God hates sin is when we see what God made Jesus suffer for our sin. Romans 6.23, a common verse we all know, I believe, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now those wages are terrible. And if God had just allowed Jesus to take an easy death, would we have grasped how terrible our sin is in God's eyes. This morning, I didn't want to bring a large uh, grinder in here to grind it. I don't necessarily recommend that you do this. But I wanted you to think about, as I grind this, these wheat berries this morning, a thinking of Jesus, what he suffered and went through for us. Must not have turned it on. Sorry about that.
So as you saw those nice, beautiful wheat berries representing Christ, then he went through a process of being crushed by God. And it was for us that that happened. It wasn't because, like I said, that God was cruel and just wanted to do it. But it was to be crushed for us. And do we recognize what God does or what Jesus went through at that time? Our communion service today is remembering what Christ went through. And so that's why I had that object lesson this morning, and I'm going to do something a little bit later here also with the idea of being crushed and thinking of the communion service. I think it's easy to forget. I think we all can struggle with it, myself included. Forget what Christ went through. And yes, as we look at the story of Christ's death on the cross, Pilate, the Romans, the Jewish people, each of them played a part. But ultimately, God chose this path to provide a way of salvation. When you look at the Old Testament, we think of the Mosaic Law, the way God commanded that they would take a lamb and it would be killed. That lamb could never, the blood of that lamb could never completely take away our sin. God did allow it for a time to be a, a, a temporary, substitutionary taking of sin, but ultimately some point, someone was going to have to die and take that sin and That's what Jesus came and did. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, I want to begin at verse 11. But but Christ coming, sorry, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, this is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For with the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from blood, from dead works to serve the living God. These things that were set up in the Old Testament and even what we see in the New Testament with communion are representative or symbols of what Christ did. But yet only Christ could come and do those things. So do we understand the amazing sacrifice that Christ made. You think about these, those, you saw that bag of the beautiful wheat grains, the berries. Those are beautiful, but yet, if they're never crushed and broken and ground up, you could never enjoy bread and other type of food made from flour. The same way, if Christ had come but had never allowed himself to be crushed and broken, 
we could never, ever be saved from our sins. We would all have to die personally for, for because of our sins, and yet we would never have been able to go to heaven to be with Christ. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. In Scripture, we often see paradoxes, and we'll see one here with the idea of life comes through death, and when someone is dead, there's no life. The idea that through the death of one, life comes to another. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For ye were, were a sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So when we were alive in sin, we were dead to Christ, to spiritual things. It took Christ's death to bring about spiritual life for us. And those are just paradoxes that may be hard to understand at times, but helps us to see only just as a seed being put in the ground has to die for new life, a new plant to come out. The same was true with Christ. Now turn with me to John chapter 15. We have Christ's example. It talks a lot about the, being the vine and we are the branches. For lack of time, I'm not going to read all of it, but John chapter 15 Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. And I'm going to stop there. Christ there was talking about being the vine, and through him comes life. But he was also pointing ahead to other truths that would come from the idea of grapes. And this morning, I'm not going to take the grapes that Tim put up front, but once again, when we take fruit or take a grape, yes, we could sit here and I could pluck one of these grapes off and eat it, and it would be enjoyable. But for us to enjoy grape juice, which where wine comes from, what we have here this morning with a grape juice for communion. What has to happen for there to be grape juice? These have to be crushed. And hopefully I don't make too much of a mess here this morning, but I want to just give the idea. These beautiful grapes can't remain big and beautiful like this. They have to be crushed and become juice. It's ugly. Who likes a crushed grape to look at? You wouldn't set those on your 
table at home. Same way Christ had to be crushed for us. Do we understand that? Do we get the idea of what He went through for us? Turn with me, or I'm not just going to read this quick. Matthew 26, 27 and 28. And He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is My blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the many, many for the remission of sins. Just as I crushed those grapes this morning, he was crushed to give his life to make a way of salvation. So thinking back again to what I read this morning from Isaiah 53, how he was wounded, he was bruised. Do we understand what Jesus went through? Do we grasp that? Do we understand why the Father crushed the Son? It was because of their love for us that He did those things. Do we understand that? Do we love Him because He loved us enough to go through that? And once again, um, in John 15, a verse there says, No greater love hath a man than he lay down his life for a friend. Jesus laid down His life, and that's what we are commemorating this morning with communion. God bless each one of you.